Welcome to this episode of Kennedy Saves the World. Today, I am joined by world-renowned psychiatrist, Dr. Norman Rosenthal. Uh, he works, he does a lot of research at Georgetown Universities in the D.C. area. And I want to talk about seasonal affective disorder. Having grown up in the Pacific Northwest, I knew a lot of people um, who weren't diagnosed for a long time, but had a very, very difficult challenge with uh, this particular disorder. So Dr. Rosenthal, first of all, welcome to Kennedy Saves the World. Second of all, describe seasonal affective disorder for people who may not be entirely familiar. Okay, well, some people have no trouble with the winter. They cruise through it. That's not the people with seasonal affective disorder. Mm -hmm. If you've got seasonal affective disorder, when the days get short and dark, bunch of things happen physically and psychologically. You slow down. You are less able to function both at work and in your personal relationships. You want to eat more, especially those munchies, sweets, starches. Weight creeps on almost by magic. Mm. And you want to withdraw from people, need more sleep. Bills pile up chores pile up, you can't Ooh. meet your deadlines. It's really nasty and people become quite depressed as the progression continues. But in it of itself, it's not depression, but it leads to depression, it sounds like. It does. It does. It starts off as a kind of a vegetative thing in your body and in your sleep and in your eating, and then it moves into your mood. And it can really become depression, a bad depression, in fact. So what is the correlation between seasonal affective disorder and light? Because, you know, the days are shorter. That means we are in darkness. If people are exposed to more sunlight in the morning, more natural sunlight, like when the time changes, is that better for them? Definitely. One of the things that we have learned that sustains our mood, especially in some people, is our environmental light. Mm. The, the light actually, and you know, if you think back into the language, you've got a sunny disposition, you've got a shiny day to day, and so on and so forth. The, the idea that light somehow is a factor in mood regulation has been around in our language and in our folklore. And now it's coming to our medical knowledge as well. So we need the light. Some people more than others. Some people love the winter and God bless them. But I'm not one of them. And my patients are often people who do not love the winter. They struggle. Now, is this something that you have faced yourself? And is that why you got into this area of expertise? Actually, it is. You know, I came from South Africa, which is very sunny. and I was just I, there on safari. You're lucky. It must have been wonderful. I'm dying to go back and see the... I, I miss the animals. Life-changing. Yes, being out in the bush, being in the wild, and, you know, almost being bored of seeing another giraffe is such an incredible thing. And there's such a magic that you tap into when you become a part of that and you realize that you are a very small part of that. And the people who live there, the people who are the safari guides, the people who work in the lodges and help you through that environment, I feel like they are very blessed. They, they, 
understand something that most people don't on their day-to-day journey? Well put. I couldn't have put it better. I miss the big skies and I miss the big five, the big mm. five animals. Yes. And, we saw, uh, we saw yeah. the big five in one safari drive in two hours. We saw all five of them and it was unbelievable. Wow. wow. But you, you grew up in, I'm guessing, a sunny place. And then Definitely. academia. I grew up in a sunny place. And then I came to New York City to do my psychiatric training. And oh boy, I'd never felt that way in the winter as I did when I was there. Now, you know, I did manage. I pushed through, Mm -hmm. but it wasn't fun. It was a drag. And then when I came to the NIH to study uh, research into psychiatry, that was the subject I picked because I realized that this kind of winter syndrome was not an inevitability. I had not had it in South Africa. Now I was having it. I was seeing people who had it even worse than me. And I thought, wow, you know, this is something worth studying. And so for the past 40 years, it's been my main research focus. And what are some of the treatments? Because I know that people had light boxes when I was growing up, but what are the treatments now? How have the treatments changed? How is our understanding of seasonal affective disorder change throughout the decades? Well, that's a great question. And I shouldn't go any further without telling you that I've just come out with a book that describes the latest updates in the subject called Defeating Sad. I don't want to just treat sad. I want to defeat sad. So um, there are a lot of things you can do to overcome sad, including exposing people to more light, encouraging them to exercise outside with sunlight outside, um, helping them to stay social. You know, we are engaged in our social world, but when you have sad or seasonal affective disorder, you want to withdraw. Challenge that. Don't yield to that because that just makes you feel more isolated, more alone, more unloved. Keep up with your lunch dates or uh, social events. It's important. And then and challenge your negative um, emotional ideas, which is part of what constitutes cognitive behavior therapy. And so you have to learn ways in which you say, I can do it. This is not the end of the world. I can mm-hmm. get through this winter. And there are a bunch of strategies for doing that, including the light, including all the things I've just mentioned. Don't go anywhere. More Kennedy saves the world right after this. Shipping can make or break a sale. So optimize how you ship your orders with ShipStation. They make it easy to automate and manage orders no matter how big your business grows. And they might even be able to help reduce shipping and warehouse costs. So optimize and keep up your momentum for growth with ShipStation. Sign up for your free 60-day trial now at ShipStation.com and use the code P-O-D. That's ShipStation.com with the code P-O-D. I went through dialectical behavioral therapy uh, when I was in my 20s, and I found it to be very, very helpful because it gave me a set of skills. So every time I had a particular challenge, I would go back to the skills, whether it be externalizing my worries, uh, writing them down, or uh, meditation which is a big part of my life to this day. Um, I I found that DBT was very helpful in that. 
And I could see how cognitive behavioral therapy or DBT would be helpful for this as well, because there are systems, there are strategies that have to be employed, especially when your environment changes. So obviously, this is incredibly light dependent. I want to ask you two things. One, about the time change. Should we stay on one time system and should it be standard time or daylight savings? About staying on one system, I think that's a good idea because the way it is now, you get smacked with an extra hour of darkness in the afternoon. And for people with this kind of problem, that is very difficult. There are ways to overcome it, like getting more light in the afternoon and getting up earlier in the morning, mm -hmm. expand the light on both sides of the day. But it's, it's a struggle. So I think staying the same would be easier. And then I think I'm sort of agnostic about whether you want to stay on daylight savings time or whether you want to stay on standard time. Mm -hmm. But I think this jarring jump to and fro is hard on the system, especially for vulnerable people. Yes, for people who have uh, SAD, seasonal affective yes. disorder, that, that is difficult. I mean, it's difficult. We see it with little kids. I remember when uh, my children were newborns and, and toddlers and trying to guide them through that was very hard. And, and there's an argument, well, maybe we should stay on standard time and have more light in the early part of the day and encourage people to get up with the sun. So my question for you is, I am so sensitive to light that I live in a, a city, New York City, with a lot of light pollution that creeps in no matter what I do. So I have to sleep with an eye mask. Does that exacerbate the sort of light-based issues? Well, I think that's a great question because, you know, just as we need light in our active time of day, we need darkness at night to sleep well. We need to make our rooms, our bedrooms, like caves, you know, dark and cool. And that will give you your best sleep. So I think you're being very smart. And yes, New York gets you on both sides. There's a lot of pollution at night with the neon lights of New York City. And in the daytime, I've had people who say that I've got a building right up against my bedroom window and I have no light coming in. So on both sides of the aisle, so to speak, you need to take care of yourself. Light in the day, dark at night. Yeah, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick with my eye mask then because I was wondering, you know, if there was a correlation. I fortunately don't suffer from SAD. Um, but, you know, if I did, if I were prone to it, I was wondering if the, the mask that keeps the lights out somehow affects my circadian rhythm. So what is the correlation between SAD and circadian rhythm? Because everyone's circadian rhythm was off during the pandemic. And that's why so many people put on weight so quickly, no matter what they did, no matter what they ate or how they exercised. Um, so do we not understand enough about our natural circadian rhythms? You know, circadian rhythms are going to differ from one person to another. Some people are morning people, some people are evening people, and so our circadian rhythms vary, but bright light is a very strong timekeeper for our mm. circadian rhythms, and getting the light in the day and the dark at night keeps our rhythms steady, and that is promotes the most efficient way 
for our systems to work. So I think our circadian systems are important. And one way that light in, uh, influences our feelings is through our circadian systems. But another way is this direct effect of light, which is relatively recently described. And that's the effect that the daylight savings time engages. Because I remember the first time I had daylight savings time after arriving in New York, it was like a shock. I came out of work and I thought, what the heck is going on? All of a sudden, it's dark in the afternoon. So I think that there's a direct effect of light and there's a circadian effect of light and they're mm. both important. Can you change your internal circadian rhythm? Can you become, is it like a temperament where, you know, where you're born with what you're born with? Or can you, can you change it over time and sort of ease into becoming a morning person? It's such a great question because I, I have actually studied late night owls and they were coming to us because they were having trouble going through their nine to five day. They were having trouble meeting the conventional hours of working. And so we gave them bright light in the morning and dark in the evening. And sure enough, their rhythms came earlier and earlier, but then came the rub. They didn't really feel comfortable. They had kind of gotten used to it, or it felt natural to have this nighttime uh, set of rhythms. And even though they could move it earlier, some of them consciously relapsed because they wanted to feel night owls, which is yeah. what they identified with. So it was a very sobering thing. You can change people, but do they really want to change? Yeah. I mean, when you have kids, sometimes you have no choice. And sure, exactly. it would be great to stay up till four in the morning writing music and painting. But then when you have a, a toddler who's up at 530, it makes that very difficult. So, you know, adults oftentimes have to make the harder choices and do what their body doesn't necessarily want them to do. Uh, but that's that's very interesting. And do those things change over time? Like, could you be a night owl? For your 20s, 30s, and 40s, and then when you get in your 50s, 60s, and 70s, can you become a morning person? Well, I think part of being a night owl means, oh, I'm going to have a cup of coffee. Okay, so it's 8 o'clock at night or 9 o'clock at night, but I just want to have that extra push to get those extra things done. I want to pull an all-nighter. So I think your behavior and the substances you take, if I may be so bold, are also going to play into whether you're a night owl or not. You know, the raves, the staying up at night, I think as we get older, they become less appealing. But, you know, when we're younger, we just don't want the day to end. Yeah, if they could start a rave at 6 p.m. and end it at 9, uh, you definitely have me as a taker. Until then, <laughs> I, I will take as much good advice as I can. Norman Rosenthal, your book, Defeating Sad, uh, it's out now. People can get it and they can find all the tools, all the ways to really defeat it and do whatever you can, whatever is in your power to take your life back to the greatest degree that is available to you. Dr. Rosenthal, thank you so much. Well, thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. The pleasure is mine. You are a, a ray of light and I appreciate you. Thanks again. Kennedy, you're, you're amazing. I really, I loved our conversation. I think you're so smart. So thank you. 
Well, I have loved it as well. And for all the people with seasonal affective disorder, there is hope. There are solutions. This has been Kennedy Saves the World, along with Dr. Norman Rosenthal. I'm Kennedy. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. Oh, go ahead and leave me a review while you're there. I'd love to hear what you have to say. You've been listening to Kennedy Saves the World on the Fox News Podcast Network.